Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Our dearly Father, we, we thank you, O Lord, uh, for your word uh, this evening. Uh, we know that uh, by your word, uh, the law shows us the need of Christ. Um, and thank you, O Lord, for your mercies that you send us your son, Jesus, to fulfill the promise that you gave to us. Lord, bless us in your righteousness. Lead us uh, in your in this resurrected life and, and bless us, O Lord, as we continue to study and be rooted uh, in, in our faith that is Christ. Uh, bless us this night as we study and just, Lord, we just continually bless. Uh, we pray for our world that this word may shine forth and that your word may dwell within those that need to hear it. Um, uh, bless, uh, bless Sheldon and, and lead him in your peace and, and always guide him by your word that through all things, uh, you are the resurrection and the life. Lord, for all these things we're thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, yeah, let's just kick in here. I know uh, we got to <clears throat> get to step in here, but uh, chapter 3, Galatians 3, we're going 19 to 29 today. 19 to 29. Uh, maybe not 29, but maybe 27. But we see uh, Galatians 3, remember? Last week, Abraham, covenant, cannot be nullified. Uh, this was before the law of Moses. St. Paul was trying to do what? He was trying to give them a case where the Lord gave Abraham the promise that through him all nations would be blessed. Now that all nations would be blessed is the seed. And from the line of Abraham is what? Is Christ, Right? So uh, that is the promise that in Christ, all nations uh, will be blessed. And that blessedness of Christ is the forgiveness of sins. Now, these people, the Judaizers, uh, they were saying that uh, the law would save. Now, that would nullify the covenant, wouldn't it? And St. Paul is, well, trying to simply show them by one plus two, is that that's just not how it works. God gave Abraham a promise. So in light of the gospel, now in verse 19, uh, we see St. Paul speaking of, well, the law. Why doesn't someone read that for me? Verse 19. Okay, got it. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. All right. So, question. Why then the law? What is, what is the point of the law? What is the point of the law? What is the purpose, nature, function? Order. Yeah. To convict us of our sins. To define what sin is. Yeah, to define, yeah. Yeah, through the law comes the acknowledgement of sin, right? Uh, and also the law is guide, but guide, third use of the law, first, second, third, right? Um, now, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what does the law show us? It shows us our sin. It shows us that mirror of the law. It shows that our sin, well, it shows clearly and diagnoses our sin for what it is. But... In that brokenness, at the end of the day, where does the law point? 
Jesus. That's right. It drives us to Jesus. That's right. Um, a lot of people will say, what about the law? They'll say, you got to do this to get that. Well, just if I'm good enough in front of God, then I'll get there. Or if I work hard enough, or if I'm morally, uh, if I have an aptitude for morality, then, then I'll be with God and, and I'm good with him. Um, if that is the function of the law, uh, we are going to be sorely terrified because at the end of the day, we all know we don't measure up. Our guilty conscience shows us this, right? The law is written on our hearts, the Bible says. So, so again, um, for the Jews, they had the opinion, again, this is the wrong way of the law, right? The purpose of their law was to do what? To save them. The purpose of the law was to do what? Give them their righteousness, right? Not the crushing reality of sin, right? We just don't want to go there as sinners. We, we don't want, you know, and, and that's the thing. I think a lot of times uh, when people um, are hearing the word of God, a lot of people just don't want to hear about the elephant in the room, do they? They just want to kind of hear the, just a palatable message that is good to the ears and uh, that doesn't offend but that is just kind of there, right? But no, when we preach through that pulpit, there we are, you know, especially as pastors, you know, we're not preaching words that are relevant to the culture in a sense, but we're just preaching the relevancy of God's word, right? We're, we're, we're preaching the law and gospel at full force. Uh, and, and here the law shows us at the end of the day, our sin. Um, and that's very important to remember because if our starting point is the law saves us, then where is the gospel if the law saves us? You don't need it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what if we commingle the law gospel? What if we commingle? That means mix them together. What is the end result all the time? The end result is the law. Does that make sense? The end of the, at the end of the day, the prevailing thought with mixing the law and gospel, what I mean by that is, uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm forgiven of my sins, um, but I have to finish the race. I got to do my part. Now, that's, that's kind of mixing up, and there we end on the law. And that's a prevalent thought as well, even in Christianity, right? It's I have to do my part in a sense where I have to make that seal of of assurance by my work. And again, this is not what the law is for, right? Uh, I know Marjorie said it this morning, but the law, why do people, why don't they want to hear about the law? What's, what's the rub against the law? Why? It's why rules. Not? It's telling you things you can't do. Now, why is that so offensive, Don? Why is that so offensive? you think? To non-Christians um, or non-religious people? What, what do you mean there's this, this God whom I've never seen who's telling me I can't live my life the way I want to? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Wow. Um, that's right. Uh, or, or even, you know, even, um, even for maybe even some, some Christians too, they might say, I don't want to hear that. Like, I just, I don't want to hear that. Don't go there. Why does your church talk about that stuff? I thought this is where I'm supposed to feel good. Like this is where I'm supposed to feel good. So why do you go there? But 
why why does the law offend people? And I know Don kind of hit on that point of it it infringes on what we want to do, right, in our flesh. Um, but ultimately, the law shows us our our transgressions. That the law shows us clearly that we have sinned against God and neighbor, which our conscience does not want any part of. Because what does the conscience do? In our badness, or when people say, oh, I'm bad, what do they do? They say, well, I need to be good, and I can do this myself. right? When we talk about sin and the old Adam saying, no, I want to live my life the way I do. No one's going to tell me how I'm going to live. Uh, and when that law comes, that full force of the law, it really does cut and say, look, you've fallen short to the glory of God. And ultimately, the law does what? It crushes the false righteousness, doesn't it? It crushes the model to which people think they can save themselves. And that is devastating to people, that they can't save themselves, that they need someone outside of themselves to save them. That is completely foreign to the human thinking. As you know, we talk about the sermon tonight about being transformed and not conforming. I, I think quickly we think we have to do these things. And it's beyond ourselves to think that it is our Lord who passively or who, as we passively receive, it transforms us by his very word, the gospel. Uh, that is so foreign to the human mind because the human mind says, I can do this myself. I'm capable. I, I can do it myself. And this is what the law does. It crushes every every method to which people think that they can save or answer or or make a case for their own righteousness it crushes all that and it shows the deliberate sin against god and his word all right so the purpose of the law is very important now it was added because of transgressions just as i talked about right now until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary now this is uh, a reference to Moses. Talk about uh, Deuteronomy 33 and uh, the angels on the mount, uh, the messengers there uh, given, uh, given to Moses uh, by the Lord. And, and we know that this intermediary, and this is very important here, as the motif of Moses is coming about with this intermediary, how the Moses and the new Moses, Jesus Christ, really play a role hand in hand and how, well, at the end of the day, um, they are... They are different, of course, right? Uh, that Moses was what? He was a intercessor for the people. When the people uh, sinned, he was there to be kind of their spokesperson, the one that would uh, plead to God for mercy. And, uh, uh, you know, Moses was the great uh, mediator for the people between God and Israel, right? He was that middleman. Now, it says right here in verse 20, now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Now, how do we, this is a very difficult text right here. Very difficult in a sense where the wording of it and what does this mean, right? Now, an intermediary implies more than one because when we talk about intermediary and, and Moses and, and God and the people, but what does this mean? But God is one. How, what is that? What, what does this verse mean? Does anyone have a clue how to explain this? Well, isn't it Jesus our intermediary? Right. Yes, he is. Um, so, so 
but God is one. So when we speak of intermediary of Moses, we know that in the time of Moses, he was there, uh, that through him, the, the, the Lord gave him the word and, and uh, the commandments and the word uh, guided the people. And we see that now with God, there is one. Now, what is the difference between Moses and Jesus? Is that Jesus is... Jesus is God. So yeah. he... So Jesus is both the mediator and he is God. Unlike so, Moses, who was a man who was mediating between God and the people. Good. So in that sense, um, St. Paul is really, what he's trying to do here is he's trying to point to, yes, you follow the law of Moses, right? Yes, he is the intermediator. But now when we speak of the gospel that the great mediator is Christ. But he's not like Moses because he is, he is God. And God is one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That this is one, one true God. And this is where I think the shift is in terms of the law to the gospel. The law of Moses to the gospel of Christ. And this gospel is unique because God is one, mediator, one, God, one. So we see that shift of, yes, you Judaizers are teaching that the law of Moses can save, but the great mediator is the God who is one, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and this is kind of the, you know, we see St. Paul doing this all the time here, is he's trying to kind of funnel down all their misconceived understandings of what salvation is. And he's shifting from Moses to Jesus, um, that by the grace of God, the mediator, Jesus, would die for the sins of the world. The law of Moses does not bring justification. But the God who is one, Jesus, delivers that justification for sinners. All right? So it goes from Moses to the uniqueness of Christ as God and man. They are sacrificing his life for sinners, and he is the true mediator. Um, so, you know, again, as we, I think we talked about this in the morning. I don't know where we did. I forget. But, uh, um, oh, yes, that's right. So when we talk about the Old Testament, and this is what I, I think is very difficult to reconcile for a lot of people is, do we still read the Old Testament? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, good, good. Why do we read the Old Testament? Because it points to Christ. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Genesis 3, right? Uh, a clear picture of the, pro the first gospel. And, uh, uh, you know, when we talk about the faith of, of Moses and all the patriarchs and all the saints of the Old Testament, their faith, they were called to follow the law, but could they follow them perfectly? No. And I think Nancy said it this morning, and she quipped quickly, like, yeah, I'm not sure if anyone could, not even us, right? I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, God gives us the law. And, and again, what's the purpose of the law? What is the purpose of the law? To show us our 
sin to crush and break and convict, saying that we cannot save ourselves. No, the law of Moses, Moses wasn't perfect, right? Abraham, no way, right? Noah? You know what's a, you know what's a trip? Is I just now realized for the first time that Moses didn't have the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus, after Jesus was crucified, he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to people. And this is B.C., which means Moses was a mediator or a vessel of God himself, but did not have the Holy Spirit. He, he, well, was, probably you know, baptized. Very... he was probably baptized, but he that did not That doesn't mean the Holy have... Spirit didn't exist. They are yeah, I, I think yeah, on. we have to be careful there. I think Sheldon, I think you know the Spirit of the Lord definitely. Yeah, but uh, Christ Himself said He was going to send, and that's that was. I agree. This is prior to that, so it's interesting to look to look at Moses here and go, okay, he was a vessel of God. He was used by God. Um, but God, it. Uh, but he did not. I, have I think there, Noah had. Had the spirit. I mean, Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit at some point, which was, which was way after this. But does that mean that's the only time the Holy Spirit has been amongst? I don't know. We're not allowed we to add know. or subtract from the Bible. So you show right. me where it says that the Holy Spirit was sent before Jesus said he was going to send it. Well, but I I wouldn't say that it means that Moses did not. Right. Yeah, I think it's we have to be careful with those things too. And I think that's an interesting discussion. Um, you get what I'm saying, day. Jeff? But, uh, but yeah, you know, I think when we talk about, uh, again, with Moses, I think the key to Moses is that uh, he was the intercessor for the people. And yeah. this Moses was pointing to, ultimately, the Christ, who would be the fulfillment of the law. Christ didn't come to abolish the law, as it says in Matthew 5, 17 but he came to fulfill it. And this is kind of that fulfillment from Moses to Jesus. And um, I think when we talk about uh, the law, uh, this is very important. Now, verse 21, is the law, if someone could read that for me, sorry, I'm reading too much. If someone could read that. I got it. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then the righteous would certainly have come by the law. All right, so what does that mean? Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? He says, Meganoito, certainly not. That's an emphatic, no way. What are you talking about, right? Uh, I think that next gar, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be the law. So what he's saying there, if, when we talk about the law, does the law give life? Yes or no? No. 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 Uh, righteousness given by the law? No. Right? But the, I think the better question right here, what St. Paul is saying is, what is, what is the purpose of the law and also the gospel? What is the purpose? Are they contrary to the, each other? Or do they... Do they somehow kind of work together? Uh, are they against each other? They work together, but the gospel 
is more Perfect. important. Per yeah. Prevails. It's always the yeah. end all. It's always the end, right? So, yeah, I mean, Dave Malding, if you go to the doctor, what does the doctor tell you uh, at the... Actually, I don't want to know what the doctor tells you at the doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah. You might be too much information, but the point is, is that... Before you leave. Why don't we want to go to the doctor? If there's any doctors out there listening. We don't want, we don't want to hear bad news. We don't want to hear bad news. Now, what is it about the law? We, we don't want to hear. We don't want to hear the bad news because uh, it shows us that we're... We're... we're uh, we're not right. And um, I think for me as a, you know, going to the, my brother's a doctor. I should go to the doctor since my brother's a doctor, right? I haven't been in a long, sorry, I haven't been in a long time. But anyways, <laughs> but uh, I don't even have a doctor here yet in Moore Park. Is that bad? Anyways. Oh um, my gosh. Oh, sorry. Oops. Oh, nurse is here. Oops, sorry. But I should get there. Anyways, uh, the point is, the point is not that. The point is, is that uh, when we speak of uh, the law, we don't go to the doctor, and, and when we say we're sick, we're, you know, the doctor doesn't say, like, uh, well, you get yourself better. He gives you the remedy, right? Uh, when we talk about the law, it shows us our sin, and the Christ is our remedy, is the forgiveness of our sins, right? Uh, when we talk about the law and the gospel, I always talk about this in Bible class, it's that law gospel living of law gospel, um, law gospel, forgiven, fall into sin, repent, forgiven, fall into sin, live and guide in that word of God, uh, by the way of God's word, right? And, and this is the constant, I think, when we talk about the law gospel, they're not against each other per se, uh, but they both serve a purpose, right? So, um, but the law, Pastor, doesn't the law, I understand we can't measure up and we can't do it all, but it is a guideline. You know what I mean? I mean, that's where we learn the Ten Commandments. You know, it, 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 it's guideposts, valid guideposts for people to try to do better things for, for our fellow man and our brothers but it's not something that, that we should feel if we're unable to do it all, we failed. Because ultimately, Christ is the one who, who has forgiven us because we can't measure up. But, but we all need, I mean, if it wasn't for the Old Testament, I mean, there's a lot of things in there that, that we have learned in Proverbs and Psalms and everything else that help us to try to be better people. It doesn't get us into heaven, but maybe helps us to try to be better and do and do better things. Does that make sense? No, I think you nailed it. That is perfect. You're, That's exactly the way I feel. Well, I think the, the context, the context of this is because people were believing that the law could save them. That's right. the context. Now, that I, yeah, in... In, but again, you're right. I, I think what we're, we talk about today's, uh, tonight's service, I didn't really talk about it too much, but in the latter parts of those verses, it talks about like what, you know, our skills, our talents, and what we are called to do. Now, the key is, is that when we're loving and serving our neighbor through use of the law, it's, it's the law as guide. That is, again, as Christians, as those uh, who are of the faith, uh, we follow that word 
uh, as it shows us how to follow, not out of compulsion, but by the leading of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, right? So again, you're right, Dave. I think that's a good point um, about, uh, oh, thank you. Dr. Curtis Kodama. All right. So um, thank you, Gary. I'll look it up. I think I heard of that one before. But um, uh, but the point is, you're right, Dave. I think that's a good point in the just the general use of the law is that, uh, yeah, I mean, for Christians, uh, it shows us joyfully how to love and serve. And I think the trip up for many is, well, I have to do this, right? And no, as you did, as you said, Dave, a good good point there. It's not we have to to save ourselves, but this is just like a guidepost on, on how to love and serve our neighbor. Now that is absolutely correct, right? Uh, that, is, that is spot Jesus on. Us, Jesus told us to love our brothers as ourselves. Yes. You know, I've, I've always felt in business and I know I'm sure Shel, I've listened to Sheldon enough to know in his business that you try to be honest, you try to be helpful, you try to be sincere because to me, that's was my calling. Was that when I was employed? Was to 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 do right by people and to try to try to help them. And I think we're here. That's one of the things we're here to do is to try to help our fellow man. And a lot of us do that in our avocation because that's how we meet so many different people, and that's how we can try to be of help to to our brothers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a good point. And um, again, you know, I, I think, as you say, this is, this is in terms of, of how we are living the redeemed life, joyfully loving and serving in the name of Christ. Again, not by compulsion or not by burden to the law. But because we are set free by Jesus who fulfilled the law, we proceed to love and serve our neighbor, right? So that's, I, I think that's very, that's a very good point uh, that I think for St. Paul here, I think he's, he's really focusing in because they've mixed it up and they think that the law, and I think, I think a lot of times, you know, when we look at our lives, we, we can have that quick diagnostic and we we are susceptible i think to a certain degree uh to fall to morality just to somehow appease our conscience in the slightest bit i think it's easy to because that's what the world teaches us all the time is that you know you got to do something to get something right um and I, I think it's always a slippery slope a lot of times with the law because soon enough you know the law subtly people might believe that it can cleanse the conscience or or assure them of something right uh, if they just do enough and, and i think for some people it can it can get away with them with losing the purpose of the law but at the end of the day at the end 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 of the day we know that the law shows us that through all the things that we do as christians uh the law does show us that mirror that we have not loved our neighbors and God perfectly. We try, we strive, right? We strive joyfully to do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, the law shows us, as it says right here, why then the law was added because of transgressions, right? So when we talk about uh, at the end of the day, 
as Carrie said earlier, it always ends on the gospel, right? So uh, good, good, st- good thoughts there. Uh, hey, they, you know what? Hey. We should be really thankful that we don't live in those times because all these people knew was the law back then before the gospel was there, right? Well, and that's the thing, Sheldon. We should be really thankful we can reflect what? on all these people's mistakes and, and how they were stuck in the law. That's all they ever knew. It wasn't their fault. But when we speak of the Old Testament, what is the anticipation? Waiting for the Christ. That's right. Right? So, so when we talk they about didn't the Old know Testament. That, they didn't know he was going to come and, and say your law is squashed. They didn't know that was coming. That's all they ever knew was the law. So you can imagine it was hard for them to transform when that's all they ever knew. You know, we're really blessed to look back and reflect on these people's struggles and, and with that, that we actually see the clear picture and they didn't, you know, they struggled much more than we did are. Well, I think, I think nothing, nothing new is under the sun. I think we're, we're struggling more than ever, I think, honestly, with the world, how it is. I mean, I don't know if you're keeping up with the news, but it's a, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of mess always, right now. It's always been a struggle. It's always, I mean, and it will the, be. It is. The, the yeah, Roman days, the persecution, <laughs> it's, it has always been, it's always been a struggle. That's right. That's right, because of Christ the law. So, I have a question. Sorry, Dave. Sure. Um, There was no need for the law until Adam and Eve sinned, right? Right. But there was time between the original sin and when the law was given to Moses. So kind of a Sheldon question, what of those people were they just all running around willy-nilly? Um, I mean, no yeah, one. That's, that's an interesting question. I'll have to think about that one. Hmm. But, um, but like Noah, Noah's family, after, after their 40 days on the ark, and the people following Noah, did they have law and order of any kind from the Lord? There must have been. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, if, if people, I've always understood if people have never heard the word, let's say you've got an island of, um, of primitives and they've never heard the word. I've always understood it that those people are not condemned because they never had, they never had the choice of hearing the word and rejecting it. So if that's true, maybe that's true before the time of Moses between him and, uh, and Adam and Eve. You know, maybe if, maybe if they weren't presented the word or understood the word, maybe there was no reason for them to be condemned. But that's all speculation on my part. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is speculation. But we'd like to I'd think have to, that I'd have to look. I'd have to think about that a little more and look in Scripture and see. I gotta, I gotta look over more of that just to be. Where would, where would, where would that phrase come in then, where it says that the law of God was written on our hearts? 
So yeah, I mean, that's, a, and that's a good point too, because Adam uh, Eve, or when, where would that come in? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's a good point. I think the law, yeah, you're right. Uh, we awesome. talk about written on our hearts, the conscience. Uh, we very well know that, uh, you know, that law is written on our hearts and we know when we do wrong and um, our conscience definitely shows us that. So again, that's well, another interesting. I had just thought of that because then Adam and Eve, they knew that they had done something wrong. Oh, sure. They, they covered oh, themselves. They so it must they be. Saw, they saw themselves naked they and they realized. Well, their only law was you can do anything, but just don't eat of this tree, right? Was that, as far as we know. Yeah. That yeah. was their, their one and only. But then it did say they felt ashamed and covered themselves. So they must have had the conscience from the beginning that Definitely. and knowing somewhat the difference of right and wrong. Yeah, I, you oh, know, again, I I'll, let me look, let me look, let me think about that this week and I'll get back to you next week about Got that. It? I want to give you the, the perfect answer. So, uh, but, uh, anyways, good, good, good thoughts there on that. Um, but as we, I know it's already, let's go a couple more here. Uh, but it says right here, um, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Verse 22, if someone could read that, verse 22. Uh, sure. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The scripture. Um, interesting, not the law, but the graphe, the, 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 the word imprisoned everything under sin, so that by the promise by faith in Jesus might be given to those who believe. So when we talk about imprisoned, what is that picture right there, being imprisoned? What does that mean, the scripture imprisoned everything under sin? Being a prisoner, uh, being a prisoner of your sin, you can't escape it and become righteous. That's right. So it's inescapable, right, Don? Um, but it's in that inescapability that what that we are brought to nothing. And the promise of Christ, well, is the one who uh, who brings who exalts us, right? Remember what it says in the Bible about uh, those who are humbled will be exalted, those who, those who are exalted will be humbled. And, and that is, uh, the humbled are the ones that are broken in a sense where they see their sin for what it is, right, the law. So, so it says right there, uh, so that, so what is the reason that the scripture imprisoned everything under sin? So that the promise of God in Christ Jesus can be given. Now again, if someone doesn't believe that they are sinners, there's no need for, I've met too many people in life that say, what? I don't need Jesus because I'm good, right? You, how dare you call me a sinner? I'm not a sinner, right? I'm a good person, right? So, and, and again, the, for those people that don't see the reality of the law for what it is at the end of the day, uh, the need of Christ is it's not even 1A. It's like B, C, or D are not even existent, right? And, and this is uh, the purpose of the law. It, it does. It does show us that we cannot save ourselves. Uh Verse 23 and 24, someone could read that. Verse 23 and 24. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. 
Right. So the law and the gospel. Now, and I think this is where we get back to the Old Testament in a sense where, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, the law and how the law gives order, uh, the law at the end of the day does what? It points us to our sin. This is always an anticipation of what is to come in Christ Jesus, right? Old Testament to New Testament. When we see the book of Isaiah prophesying the Christ, uh, again, the first gospel in Genesis 3, uh, we very well know that it's all looking forward to Christ, right? This is the life of faith, the anticipation of the Christ and the word made flesh coming and dying for the sins of the world. And right here, it says in verse 24, uh, that we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So the Old Testament saints who had faith, indeed, uh, they're with the Lord, right? Uh, the fulfillment of that was in Christ Jesus as he, as he died for the sins of the world, uh, justified by faith. So we see how kind of, when we talk about the law and gospel, in other words, St. Paul is showing us that each has its purpose. There is a function for each. And ultimately the law um, is there not to show us how to save ourselves, but at the end of the day, to point us to the hope of Christ. And for us, as we wait for his return, right? For us in present day, as we anticipate his return, right? The resurrection has already happened, and now we are in great anticipation of what is to come in his return. And likewise, for these Old Testament saints, uh, they were waiting for what was to come in Christ Jesus. Um, and now we live in a time where we're waiting for him to return, right? But we live in victory. We live in faith. And that returns the rapture, right? Yeah, you know the, the yeah his final his final return when uh, the trumpets will sound and we should do a Revelations Bible study. I have all, all, all these notes on it, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he will return and and take us home. The 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 you know the the heavens the the old the old will pass away and a new creation will begin and and uh, it's just gonna be glorious. The the four walls of jewels and all the gems and, and just, it's just going to be a beautiful place uh, for us. But, uh, but until then we, we are waiting as well, but we're waiting under the hope of Christ, the gospel, right? So uh, this is, I think, very important when it comes to what St. Paul is doing here. He's trying to clearly distinguish the law and gospel because when they mix up as the Galatians were dealing with, it comes out law. And when it comes out law, they believe that they can declare themselves righteous by that very law. And that law is what for them? Circumcision, dietary law, food law, all the laws that they could follow. And if they just followed enough, even their own lineage. Um, well, I know for the Galatians, um, they were kind of, you know, on the outside. But, but, but I mean, even in their following of the law, they could actually save themselves. And this is what St. Paul was trying to clearly distinguish because he sees what happens when you mix them up. It comes out law, right? And that is the danger. That is the danger. Um, okay, uh, why don't we go um, a little bit more. 25 to 27, if someone could read that. 25 to 27. Okay. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed, clothed yourselves with Christ. Okay, so, but now faith has come. We are no longer under the guardian. Now, do we still have the law? Yes, we do. We do, right? Are we, are we bound? Are we bound in a sense where 
uh, uh, what's the word? What am I trying to say here? Um, when the gospel came, what did Jesus do? He came and he fulfilled the law, right? We are victorious right now as we stand tall in the name of Christ. There's nothing to prove because Christ has worked it for us. Now, uh, when we talk about no longer under the guardian, uh, Christ has come to fulfill that, and therefore you are sons of God through faith. Now, the law, as some, Dave, going back to what Dave Malding was saying about the law, that as children of God, we see the law in a totally different way, don't we? The law as guide, as redeemed children of God, third use of the law. And we see it as, how can I love my neighbor? Not because it'll save me, but through the love of Christ, because I know Christ, because I know what his love is, his sacrifice. Uh, uh, this is what a great joy it is by the leading of the Holy Spirit through the word to love and serve my neighbor, right? Versus how do I do the law to save myself, right? Completely different discussion here. But because, of you, because you are in Christ here uh, through faith, uh, there, uh, yeah, no longer are you bound uh, uh, by sin and death. You are set free uh, by the blood of Christ. Um, how do you know? Verse 27, baptism. Simple, right? How do you know you're in Christ? Because I feel it. No, because of your baptism. How do you know you're in Christ? Because I do good works. No, because Christ has gathered you in by his gracious call that before the foundations of the world, right? Before the, Ephesians 1. And here we see the great gift of the gospel, infant baptism. Why do you do that? Don't they have to like make a public declaration before they believe? Again, when we talk about the sacraments in the gospel, we are dead people needing to be made alive. It's only by the word of God that we are made alive, not by what we have done, right? So when we talk about faith, not the works of the law of Moses, as they thought, but it's by the work of Christ, the gospel, that, well, we are under, that we are sons of God. How do we know? Baptism, there you put on Christ. How do you know Christ is with you? Matthew 28, I'll be with you until the end of the age. Ultimately, in your baptism, you've put on Christ. You, you have robed Christ on your, he has robed you on, your, on, on yourself. And he has given you this confidence, right? So when we talk about the gospel, the fruits of the cross, death and resurrection, are the sacraments. Without the death and resurrection of Christ, the sacraments are null and void. But with, this, with the victorious empty tomb, there flows from there the promise of the, the resurrection, the forgiveness of sins given to us by these means of grace in, in holy baptism and the Lord's Supper. So the, the bottom line is, is this. It's, uh, uh, the question I posed, the, this is such a comment, and we'll conclude with this, is why... Why do people bring up the thief of the cross when it comes to baptism? What's always the fascination with the thief on the cross in terms of a conversation about because baptism? Jesus said he would, today you will be with me in paradise. Yes. Right? So why do, why do people bring that up, Dave, when we're in a conversation about baptism? Why do you well, think I've people... I've never heard people say that before, but, but I see where you're coming from. They well, could he's say, well, die. he was never baptized, and yet he, and yet he was brought into the kingdom of heaven. So, and to, to continue that thought, it's, well, why but, do you guys talk have... about baptism so much if the thief on the right. cross is saved? Why do we, yeah. right? That's my, I guess that was my point. But, yeah, yeah. 
Jesus gets special dispensation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, again, the key right here is what? It's let's ask ourselves, what does baptism give and who is doing the work? Why would we avoid baptism when in fact this is what baptism does? All by the promise of God. This is, as we see it, the gospel. Every time you dwell upon your baptism, you very well know that this is how God worked in your life. Every time you feed on the supper, the body and blood of Jesus, this is, this is that very moment you know that you are forgiven of your sins and how God is working and delivering you that forgiveness in that very time and space. His body and blood by the consecrated word of God in the elements, bread and wine under the body and blood of Jesus, you are forgiven of your sins. So when we talk about the gospel and what they're dealing with, with the works of the law, the communion and baptism is not a work. Again, I, would, I come up from the thread of religion that said baptism is a work, the Lord's Supper is a work, and this is what you have to do. But what we fail to see is that it's not the law. It's the gospel, that baptism is gospel. If baptism is law, then that is upon you. The supper. We go up to the supper to give, give all honor to God. For us, we go to the supper to receive the forgiveness of sins. We dwell in our baptism because there we know that we are rescued from sin and death and the power of the devil, as God called us by his word. Right? So there's a very big difference here, and St. Paul is really putting it in because what are they dealing with? Circumcision. Right? The dealing with circumcision party, saying you've got to be circumcised. Well, here St. Paul brings a baptism. Baptism that Christ instituted for the forgiveness of their sins, right? So again, you, we see the difference in the work and who's doing the work. And it's very important to remember, I know it's late, that this work is rooted in the grace of God as he, as he called you by this very word. Okay, so I think this is very important in, 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 in terms of distinguishing between what saves us and how are we saved and who is doing the work. Even for little, um, we've had two baby baptisms during COVID. Thanks be to God for that, that God is working, right? It's not, it's not anyone else but God who is working and bestowing grace on these little babies, right? <laughs> Cute little babies at that, right? Uh, but he is bestowing this great, something great and, and, and glorious and life-saving, forgiving is happening there in the water and word. And, and every time we feed on the supper every Sunday, why do, you know, why do we do that? Because there we know we meet Christ, his very own body and blood given for the forgiveness of our sins. Gospel, right? Not our work. Receive, 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 passive, passive, passive. And there we are uh, uh, in faith, the work of Christ only, not our own. So anyways, that's where we're stopped today. And uh, we'll continue on next week. Um, yeah, thus following. I should have talked about baptism a little more. Maybe I will later, but um, yeah. Any thoughts before we close? Well, I've got something for Sheldon. Um, Psalm 51 Verses 10 to 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Capital, Holy Spirit from me. Yeah.
There it is. So was that Old Testament? Yeah, that's that's oh. Psalms. That's David talking. Oh, yeah. well, you got it. That's awesome. Good job, Don. So you, you don't see the phrase. Now, this is NIV. I don't know what your translation says. That's my translation. I'm going to Psalm 55, 10 through 12. I'll look at that. That F means. Yeah, 51, 10 through 12. Because Jesus promised he'd send the Holy Spirit to everybody that believes. And he does. He does promise um, that. He, God was also flexing his muscle in the Old Testament. And must have, the Holy Spirit must have been out there. Says, well, you see creation. Where's the creation? We see the Holy Spirit hovering. Genesis 1. Hover, right. Hovering over the dark waters. Right. Uh, there are several places in the, in, according to my concordance, um, several places where the word spirit is used. But this is one of the few places maybe possibly the only place where the phrase Holy Spirit is used in conjunction with an individual. Right. That's awesome. Thank you that for that, Don. Yeah. Psalm 51. Oh, you said 55. No, well, it, it, then I misspoke. It's 51. No, you said 51. 51. Okay. That's the I'm going to check that out. Thank you very much. All righty. All right. That means Moses had the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I, I think when we talk about the Spirit in the Old Testament, it is there. We can't negate that. Right. right. Can't, can't say that they don't have it. It just got distributed a lot more when Jesus came, right? It was definitely the sending of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. Good stuff. Right. Uh, all right. Why don't we close with a word of prayer? Yeah. Let's close. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, bless us, O oh Lord, uh, through your word. Lord, we know that through the gospel you, you have deemed us righteous. Bless us, O oh Lord, in your grace and in your redemption. Lead us in the comfort of salvation. Lord, bless our families. Bless our church. Lead us, O oh Lord, always in the unity of your word. And may your word set us free in the midst of all the things that, well, by your mercy, um, you, you, you deliver us. Uh, bless each and every one of us. Guide us and lead us, O oh Lord, and sanctify us in your truth. Lord, for all these things, we are thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.